Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and this is our Beaming at the Bema Seat study that we are doing. And today I want to discuss with you in Lesson 5 a brief review, and then we want to pick up from Lesson 4 and move forward into another aspect of this coming beautiful event that, that applies to every Christian. So let's look at a few things here as we continue moving forward. First of all, just by way of review, we have looked at in this series what the Bema Seat or the Judgment Seat of Christ is, what it's not, and who it's for, and who it's not for. We've talked about the event itself, We looked at, is it perhaps a public event or perhaps a private event, or perhaps a mixture of the two. We've talked about the books that are open or may be open. We've looked at various books that are found in heaven and discussed some of those. So we've spent quite a bit of time in Lessons 1 through 4 discussing those various details And I would encourage you, if you have any questions about those, to go back to those earlier episodes. But now I want to go a little bit further into the event itself. We've laid the foundation to explain when Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 9, and 10, he talks about this event. He talks about living well-pleasing lives, and then he moves right into the reason being we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So we've talked about what that judgment seat means, who it's for, who it's not, what it is, and what it is not. And so we've covered that. We've laid that foundation. Now we're moving forward a little bit further. We talked about the public or private event. We talked about the various books. Now let's look at what is the purpose again we want to reiterate the purpose for this event is accounting of stewardship and rewards for faithfulness this is all about testing stewardship and at the end of that testing then there will be rewards granted for faithfulness of the believer So let's look a little bit further to understand exactly what that means. First of all, we see that Jesus Christ is the judge for this event. Let's look first at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10 again. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Verse 10, it says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat or bema of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. So Paul tells us here clearly it is Christ's judgment seat. In other words, he is the judge. In Hebrews In Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 and 13, we see this. In verse 12 
of Hebrews chapter 4. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight. Whose sight? It's talking about Jesus. There is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him, Jesus, to whom we must give account. He's talking before this passage and after this passage about Jesus, and the context makes that very clear. So we see that this is about Jesus. It is about the Lord Jesus himself. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 5, Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. But with me, it's a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by a human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself, for I know of nothing against myself, yet I am not justified by this. But he who judges me is the Lord. Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the heart. Then each one's praise will come from God. So we see here that Paul testifies also that Jesus is the judge. Jesus is the one we will appear before. So now let's look at how does this judgment occur? How is this accounting of our stewardship going to happen? Now, I will just mention this right up front in my Revelation study, Back to the Future. In Lesson 5, I believe it is, we incorporated a original dramatization of this, and it may be helpful to you if you'd like to look that up and listen. Now, I have, in the video portion of that, I have placed, you know, I've protected the privacy of all the volunteers that were involved in that. But I do want to mention it. It may help you to understand some of what we're talking about here and how things may be judged and what is going to be judged. We're going to talk more about this to, in this lesson and in future lessons. But I just want to mention that, that that may be helpful to you. It is an original drama that I wrote for that particular series just to show a rendition of possibly how this is going to work. So now let's look at what the scriptures actually say about how this will work. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I want to read this passage. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verses 9 through 15. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, field, you are God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed 
how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work, which he has built on it, endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. So what is Paul establishing for us here? He's telling us how this is going to work. Now, we don't know uh, some many things about it, but we do glean from the scriptures and from Paul teaching us here some information about how it will work. So let's discuss that based on the scriptures. First of all, we know that the foundation is Jesus Christ. He tells us that very clearly here. This is not just Paul saying this, but this is also correlated with others, other passages of scripture. We see this correlating with, for instance, the prophets prophesied that the stone that the builders rejected would become the chief cornerstone. We see that quoted. We see the prophecy in Psalm 118 to that effect. We see the prophecy in, in Psalm 118 that the stone that the builders would reject would become the chief cornerstone. And that is quoted again in the New Testament. The one the builders or the Jewish leaders we're going to reject, is in fact the foundation stone. Paul established that this foundation in the church, that it is Jesus Christ. It is the foundation stone of the church. He is the chief cornerstone. The church is composed of Jewish and Gentile believers. In the earliest days of the first church, it was mostly Jewish at that time. Paul was one of the earliest apostles called to the Gentiles to deliver the good news to the Gentiles. And so Paul reaches out to the Gentiles at Corinth, for instance, here. He's writing to them, and he's explaining this to the Gentile church as well as to the Jewish church. It applies in any church. It applies in any situation for the church because the church is one new man, he calls it in the book of Ephesians. Paul says he's broken down the middle waller partition and he's made us one new man, both Jew and Gentile. We Gentiles are grafted in to the original olive tree, according to Paul in Romans chapter 9 through 11. So we see that Jesus is the foundation. Now, each person in the church is a living stone in this building. So Paul 
and Peter both concurred to this fact. I want to look at the book of 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 8. In 1 Peter, Peter writes saying this, Coming to him, to Jesus he means, as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious, you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion, a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. So there he's quoting from both Isaiah and from Psalm. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, he continues. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they were also appointed. So Peter here is speaking about this building, same concept that Paul is using in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. The foundation is Jesus, but each and every one of us, Peter says, are living stones. We are a part of this building of the Lord. So each person as a living stone, is being built upon this foundation. Paul warns here in 1 Corinthians 3 that each one must take heed how he builds. In other words, it means he's talking about looking at carefully, beware, observe, and discern mentally how you are building in and upon this foundation of Jesus Christ. How? Meaning in what way? In what manner? Or by whatever means? So each person in the body of Christ is a part of this building, and each person is designed as a living stone to be building upon this foundation. But each person, Paul warns, must be careful how they build. So each person is building on it. Well, how are we building on this foundation of Jesus Christ? We are building on it in the ministry and operation of each and every person's individual gifts within the body. Let's look next at 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 and 11. In 1 Peter chapter 4, Peter writes, As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. So Peter here is telling us how 
we can build. And it all depends on how we've been called and what our stewardship is going to be. He says, minister it to one another as good stewards. Peter sums up all of the gifts. Paul speaks more in detail about the various gifts and callings that people have. He speaks about it in Ephesians chapter 4. He talks about the fivefold ministry gifts in Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and 1 Corinthians chapter 14. He also speaks about various individual gifts and callings that each and every person will have. And every believer has a gift. Every believer has a calling. Every believer has been deposited with something from the Lord that they are to do for Him and use for His glory, of which they will stand before Him at the judgment seat of Christ and give an account of their stewardship. So it does not exclude anyone. This applies to every single believer. And each one is going to do it. And we build in this building of God in the operation and ministry of our gifts. So after our time is up and we either die or we go up in the rapture when he will gather his church together, and there are many different beliefs about when and how that's going to happen, but the scriptures clearly teach that he is going to draw us together to himself and come for his church. Either once we are either dead or we meet him in the air, like his word says, at this future event that will happen after that, this Bema seat, everything we did in this life, once we were born again, will be evaluated at this Bema seat. Now, it is going to be a future event, and as such, there are questions that still remain about perhaps a possible or plausible order of this. Each one will be called up. Books will be opened. We don't know exactly what books will be opened. We talked about that in the last lesson about some possibilities and the books that the Scripture does specifically define for us as well as perhaps even other ones that the Lord may have. But remember that every person here, their names are already written in the Lamb's Book of Life. This is only for believers. So somehow each person's deed or work is going to be evaluated by the Lord. And we looked at several books that that might apply to. In Corinthians, Paul tells us how this evaluation will be done. Paul says clearly in 1 Corinthians 3 that we just read a little bit ago in verse 9 through 15 that the test will be accomplished by fire. Fire was used to assay metals, to prove and examine and scrutinize after this trial by fire, what sort it was. There was a decision upon this examination. It includes being uh, judged worthy or worthily. It's done by this test of fire. 
the testing of this fire is to see whether or not this was done genuinely or not, whether it is judged worthy of reward or not. It tests what sort it was. So Paul clearly identifies for us here two categories of works that we do after we are saved for the Lord in the ministry and operation in the body of Christ for his service. There's only two. One is wood, hay, and stubble category, or the wood, hay, and straw, my version called it. These are the works that are not genuine. These would be done perhaps in the flesh or out of pride or out of a desire for money or whatever. They were not pure works. They were not genuine works. They were not works that were worthy of reward. So in other words, they were wasted. They are useless works. They have no eternal value. But the gold, silver, and precious stones category represents those that are approved of, those that were genuine, those that were real, those that were done for the Lord's honor, not for our own selfish ambition, those that were done for His glory, those that were done in simple yielding and obedience to His Spirit and using what He deposited in us for His purposes and to accomplish His purposes. When the fire tests these, then the, the gold, silver, and precious stones come out approved of, and they are pure. They are proven by the fire to be pure and genuine. Similarly to, say, the Olympics, as far as earning of rewards. The Olympics, they have their games, and the, the best will be awarded after the testing is done, after they have their opportunity to show their skill and to use their skill. Then they will be granted medals, which are gold, silver, or bronze. So these can relate to that in some way. In Paul's day, there were the Ithmian Games that were going on, and so those became kind of a model for the Olympics later. Could these also relate as well to Jesus' words when he spoke about the parable of the talents, for instance, and he spoke about those that would um, bear fruit some 30-fold, some 60-fold, and some 100-fold. So there's gold, silver, and precious stones. I don't know if maybe there's a different degree of that, but we do know that the gold, silver, and precious stones are the category where the works that are tested by the fire will endure. And Paul says here that if anyone's work, which he has built on the foundation, endures, he means endures after the fire of testing for those works, that individual will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, in other words, he's talking here about the wood, hay, and straw category. If the works are in there and they're all burned up, then that individual will not have a reward necessarily for their works, but they are still saved. They are in heaven. They, their names are in the Lamb's Book of Life, and that will never change. They just will not be awarded for the works that were burned up. So it's very plausible that there will be a good bit of regret 
maybe for missed opportunities, wasted time, or works that were done in the flesh and were not genuinely done in the service of the Lord. But they will still be saved and there. The Bema Seat judgment is not about where an individual will spend eternity, because as we said, every single person that is at that judgment is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. They are saved, and heaven is their home, period. That does not change. But it's not so much about where they're going to spend eternity, but how they will spend eternity. And I want to close out this particular lesson with these, this word from Jesus himself. He says this in John chapter 15. In John chapter 15, he's talking about being fruitful. He's talking about the vine. He's talking about bearing fruit. And he comes down to verse 16, and this is what he says. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. So Jesus is saying here, I have appointed you. In other words, I've deposited gifts in you. I've deposited a calling on your life. I've deposited talents in you. And I want you to use those for my glory in my kingdom, serving me as a living stone in my building to bring glory and honor to my name and to advance the work that I've called you to do so that, that my gospel will go forward. And I want not only for you to do those things, but I want your fruit to remain. What is he speaking of? He's speaking of remaining after the testing of fire. In other words, he's wanting what Paul spoke about if anyone's work endures. Jesus is saying, I want your work to endure. I want it to be that of gold, silver, and precious stone in nature so that when I come and I stand and you stand before me and I judge you and I evaluate your work, I want it to be of gold, silver, and precious stone nature so that it will endure the test of the fire. That's what the Lord wants for each and every one of us. So may we take from this an impetus and a motivation to live every day using whatever God has called us to do, whatever ministry he's placed us in, whatever calling and talent he has given to us, use it genuinely for the kingdom of God. Use it genuinely for the honor of the Lord. Use it genuinely to serve him in a lifestyle of obedience and purity so that when you and I stand before him and that fire tests our works, we will then have works that will remain. We will then have works that will endure to his honor and to his glory. And when that happens, the Bible says that we will receive a reward. We don't do it for the reward. We do it for the honor of God. But God is that good. He promises and he will faithfully fulfill his word and he will bring rewards. We're going to talk more about those in the next lesson. 
I pray that this has been a blessing to you today in helping you understand and apply the Word of God to your lifestyle and to yourself, even in the days that we are living. May it motivate us to live every day with with eternity in mind, with this Bema seat in mind, so that we honor the Lord and our fruit will remain to the praise of His glory. I pray this has been a blessing to you, and I pray you can join us again for remaining lessons in this series. God bless you today in Jesus' name.